Hey there, hi there, hold there. There's always room room for second chances, right? <laughs> there sure is. Well, I mean, we kind of set it up for that. We did say, wow, what we a strong start, strong choices. And then immediately the mechanism failed. So We bragged. Know. We bragged I mean, a little too hard. <laughs> we, we dared. We dared to dream. <laughs> oh, the audacity. <laughs> Welcome to all the fucks, fuck buddies. I'm Lillian Bustle. I'm Jen Ponton, and with us today is our dear friend, Victor Devon. Say hi, Victor. Victor! Hi, everyone. It's nice to be Yay. here. Thank you for having me. Thanks for uh, being had. <laughs> and listen, yeah. it's not my first rodeo. <laughs> not at all. We're all I being saw, had. Right I saw here. a cup the other day, and it said, as if two rodeos is enough to know what you're doing. <laughs> bought it and also that you invested in stickers and you're putting them on everything slash it's gonna be like your new tagline like lily and bustle <laughs> what makes you think that the second rodeo <laughs> also fa- a fairly capricorn sentiment um Oh, a million percent. Uh, so Victor Devon, I know him through uh, White Elephant Burlesque, who he is the founder of. Um, he is also the host and producer of We Burlesque, the podcast, where he interviews burlesque performers, and of a fictional podcast called Two Night Stay, um, which he is fully produced and full of twists and turns. And is also well. The podcast is real. The content is fictional. Okay. <laughs> Zing boom. Dude, can you imagine if we had a fictional podcast? That's the best fucking idea I've ever I think heard. I have three fictional podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Jen. Are you are you eating astronaut food? What did you just squeeze into your mouth? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is um. A grown up asshole version of a of a child's oh. couch. <laughs> it's a brand called Noka. It's good. It's no GMOs. It's organic and it's a superfood smoothie. It's got strawberry, banana, apple, brown rice, protein, flaxseed, pineapple juice. So it's like a smoothie. Is it and something? Cold is it room temperature? No, no, it is from the fridge. Okay. What? <laughs> Okay. I well, that's what I it, I couldn't be sure. No, that's fair. It also looked like one of those like margaritas like that you yes. get in a in a pouch. I had one of those this so. weekend oh. in the park. <laughs> <laughs> because Lovely. you are a classy dame. I am a classy dame. <laughs> I squeezed it into a cup and everything. Oh well, well, all right. you lose a little points for that, but I understand. I understand. Um, Did you at least I have like a brown paper bag? And eat them like uh, no, my friend Gerald brought these little um, wine. They were they're koozies that you can chill that specifically are supposed to go around wine bottles. So does that count as being bougie enough? <laughs> I mean. I'm going to go ahead and vote for koozie replacing moist as everybody's least favorite word. Oh, I'm okay with koozie if it's about keeping something cold. If if you're describing a vagina as koozie, I got maybe yeah, I like it even better. Who named something that? Like, there's no way that anyone named it that without thinking about vaginas, which is weird because it's keeping it cold, not warm. Well, I mean, there's an entire school of thought that we don't name anything without thinking about vaginas, so. That's true. (laughs) I don't think we think enough about vaginas, quite frankly. (laughs) We do not, (laughs) as as a species. Neep, nope. Is that a different podcast? Is that a real fictional podcast? We talked about that on this recording, right? I can't even remember back that far. Yeah. 
our, our fictional fictional uh, recording uh packet forget it throw that one in the garbage well it's sort of like <laughs> it's like one of the do you remember or were you amongst your friends where if you said like a non sequitur but that was funny they would say oh that's my new band yes. name or and for a little while yes. it was at hotmail.com <laughs> in my group so it would be whatever nice. like Non sequitur, yes. we would say that. So now I would be like, well, that's my new podcast. Uh, oh. And I think also <laughs> next on NPR. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Love it. Fresh okay. breath. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm. Speaking of all folks. <laughs> um, Victor, I've known you for how long? Like eight years? Oh Lord, um, something like I mean, if you really wanted to, if I if I had the inclination, I could find the email where I booked you for the first time because I think oh that was God. that would have been the first time we officially met when we met. Uh, but we met. Well, and I, what's funny is that technically I had met your husband first. Uh, not that we like hung out or anything, but I was spotlight <gasps> at right. a show he did. That's right. Um, yeah. Jen does not know this story. Oh. Mm-mm. Am I oh. telling it now? Yes, you sure are. <laughs> there was like a pause, like, Jen doesn't know the story. Oh, then did we not talk about it? Because is she not supposed to know about that? Oh. Moving um, on. In one of my, <laughs> uh, my, my uh, business mate, uh, my, my, co, uh, my co-business owner partner, that's the word, um, <laughs> he does uh, theatrical lighting uh, on the side. And we had an, um, an association with this group called ATC. Uh, studios in Clifton, New Jersey, and they have a conservat. There's a conservatory, so you teach, you learn, um, and they do productions as well. And there was this original play that Kathleen Collet did called um, Journey, and I was brought in to do Spotlight because they needed it. And I was friends with Kathleen, and uh, Matt, the lighting guy, was doing all of the cues originally, and Don was in the ensemble of the show Journey. And even though he was one of the people that I did not know in the production, so we never really, like, interacted. I distinctly um, recall him now because he was in the gay bar scene. Yes, he was. So, I mean, he was technically throughout because all of the characters just sort of were throughout. But uh, th- it was set to be, what was it? Something was wrong with the church. They needed a new window situation and the... The fatherly figure had died, and they, the church didn't know what to do with themselves. And yeah, it was a lot. It was. It was. It was very miracle mm, on on Journey Street. It was. Uh, it was fun. It, it was. was yeah. Fun. No, it was a lovely. It was just. It was a very long piece of art. Um, but it was good, and the music was good. It was just long. Um, but uh, Don had a wonderful, wonderful experience with that. And when we connected the dots, because in um, for those of you guys who aren't super familiar with the burlesque world, a lot of times we don't know each other's legal names for years and years and years. And there are plenty of people whose legal names I have run across because, oh, by the way, iPhone tries to update my iPhone with everybody else's legal names. Um, I'm not worried about that myself, but I feel like... It's a little presumptuous. uh, Yeah, it sure Mm. is. And Don was like, maybe it's a setting. And I was like, yeah, but it should be one that you should opt into... Not like, please tell everyone in the world, <laughs> regardless. Who I am. Regardless. Insane. I don't have any shady dealings right now, so I'm not too worried. 
No, but if if it's meant to be easy, if you're if you're trying to make things easier for your phone and technology to like simplify your life, I don't want to have to second guess who I'm trying to text. Yes. No. I wanted. I mean, there was a time. There was a time because I did know some legal names because I would write checks sometimes, mm-hmm. um, or I would I would find out via PayPal. And sometimes, sometimes, especially uh, folks that I was tight with, where if I knew their families tangentially and I needed to know their legal names in mixed in mixed company, mm-hmm. so that I didn't call them by their performer yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. I would have their full in my in my contact list. You would have so, what did it you would say? Be Lily and then and then and Oh yeah, no. If I have legal names, yeah. I also have performer names. Uh, part of it for me is that I can really only hold one name in my head at this at once. Like, <laughs> and that's why it's also very <laughs> easy for me if I've met somebody or if they change their name. Like, I'm happy to completely forget whatever your first name was. Like the. <laughs> It's literally gone. <laughs> uh, so to complete that, um, I guess we had learned through. Uh, I think at one point I was at your apartment, and there was a there was a, a picture that was important to the play, and it was a bit of stock art of like a sunrise or a sunset. We're not quite sure because how could you know? And uh, mm-hmm. the theme, the 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 moral of the play is be the light. Um, and uh, what is it? Be the light you be want to see in the light world, or something like that. On yes. the journey, <laughs> and uh, all of the cast got this piece of stock footage, a uh, stock uh, imagery, I should say, and as a poster. And I was in uh, Lillian's apartment, going from the bathroom, and their uh, office door was open, and on the wall was that. So I'm like. Why do you have that? Because I can only think of about maybe thirty people imagine? in the world. Who if I would was have like, that. I just liked it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and my favorite part of it is that the kerning is off. <laughs> There's an extra space in the in the phrase. Oh my god, Virgo! And yes. well, I mean, I don't. Care. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not um, bothered by it. I just find it funny. Like I'm one of it's, those. Like it's an exclamation like, of love. If the, I'm not one of those people where if I see like a bathroom tile floor and it's gently askew, I kind of like mm. it. Like I'm not. I'm that sure. weirdo. But I acknowledge Fuck it. Fuck with the I, universe. I, yeah, I think it's funny, and it's just wrong enough. Like it's be the uh, uh, light. Like it's that. It's that obvious and that. Oh. Yeah. So yeah, and that's when we realized that we that we both were that we shared uh, a, a history spaces. that we didn't even know about. Which means at I one point, that. Lillian, you were in the audience and I had no mm-hmm. idea. That's true. I saw that show at least twice. May have felt like I saw it every time. It was so long. <laughs> I wonder if you were there when I fucked up the, the spotlight. Oh, <laughs> it's fine. Again. But the problem is they changed, they changed locations. Yes. And I had, and I was, I don't, I had no business being on that spotlight in the first place. But I was, uh... A choice of no other. Like, there was no other person that was just ready and available. And <laughs> I said, yeah, I'll do it. And so I learned it. But the problem was they changed venues. Mm. And I knew the first one. And the second one, it was, like, in a, in a school. Yes. And a lot, of, a lot of schools have, like, built-in spotlights. So we weren't using one that was, like, contracted and then rented. This is one that was, like, the big freaking The big ones. We one had those. The... Oh, we had those at my high school. God, I loved them. What the call... sound that, they made that, when, they, when you turned them on. And then when you opened the, mm. um, the iris. Oh. Yeah. They would get so hot. It was, it, it, that, that, yeah, I loved it. Yeah. It so yeah. satisfying. <laughs> Yeah. So that was and that there so there were different it was different. And so at least twice 
I think I ruined a perfectly beautiful moment, mm. but oh well. I uh, I did oh well. follow spot for one of Lip Sync's shows uh, when I very first moved to New York. Lip Sync drag legends, yeah, absolutely. And speaking of people who had no business running a follow spot, two thumbs right here. Um, <laughs> I figured it out, <clears throat> uh, but then. And I have no idea why I did this. I wound up having to back out of some performances that they had. They had added performances. I said I could do them. And then I realized I couldn't because of a family thing. And I thought that I would try to get my dad to do it because I was trying to keep the money in the family, I suppose. Um, Turns out my dad's afraid of heights and you had to climb a scaffolding. (laughs) And also... Has oh. no absolute. He, they like stopped the run through in the middle, and the guy looked at me and he was like, "This isn't gonna work." And I was like, "I know, I'm sorry." <laughs> I was trying to find a replacement, oh. and my dad was like, Spe- "I like, tried." <laughs> it was no hard. Continuing feeling. the tradition of of not having no business being behind the spotlight. I don't. I don't <laughs> really know why I thought that was gonna work. Jen, do you have spotlight experience? Uh, some, yes. Uh, in my high school, I definitely did follow Spot for, like, a production of The Music Man. Um, and that was, and it was, it was old, old machinery from, like, I don't know, it felt like the 20s. The first 20s, not these (laughs) awful 20s. Um, It was actually from the original production of The Music Man. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And then I did Lightboard a good number of times uh, in high school and in college. Um, But I I vastly preferred Lightboard, usually because I was spirited away somewhere where I could laugh and make more noise and not in the audience with everybody's grandparents. Mm. Well, does that mean you had like the headset? Yeah, I had a headset, and also at our college, we had a we had a really lovely theater that was like brand new. By the time I got to school, I think the theater complex had only been there for like two years, mm. and so it was state of the art everything. And especially for me, coming from like a farm town with a teeny tiny old high school, all our money went to football. None of it went to theater, of course. <laughs> Um, I was like, oh my God, you've got a separate room where this happens and it's soundproof and I have a swivel chair and it's a big machine and I can make liver levers do this and this. I didn't take lights very seriously. <laughs> Wrong lever. Needless Why do we even have say. that lever? <laughs> so Victor, where did you grow up? Oh, uh, well, initially I was, well, let's, let's, before I grew up, I was born in New Haven. And then it was all growing up from there. Yeah, Connecticut. I am a New Englander. (gasps) And I grew up, uh, my home, my first home, I mean, technically I lived in Madison, Connecticut for a little, little while. Uh, My parents had a house next to uh, my grandparents, next to my father's parents. But then they moved to Durham, Connecticut, um, I'm from a multi-marriage family, so it's it's always sort of interesting to sort of figure out when things happened and who was married to whom, which mom, which siblings were in the family or, or at the house. So technically, I always forget that I was in Madison because that's my sister's era. Like, I forget I was a guest star in those couple episodes <laughs> before my season. <laughs> but my season didn't really start until Durham. But what a spinoff. And Durham... Durham is most famous for its Durham Fair, 
which is a, um, it's sort of like a bunch, I remember a bunch of games. I don't remember rides specifically, but that might be because I was too young to ride the rides. Mm. That might be it. But it was like an amusement park, you know, county fair situation. And the only thing I remember is that I wanted every single of those negative five cents worth uh, prizes. Oh, yes. At, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. I wanted them all. And sometimes, yeah, <laughs> they were plastic and rubbery. And my favorite was they were these foam lizards. So they were just like, it was like maybe like a strip of foam like you would get like as insulation for an air conditioner. But on a wire. But it was, <laughs> but on a wire and manipulated and, and made to look like a lizard that you would walk. Oh, yeah. Yes. They were so oh, fun. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking and, about. And. And they and the point was you wanted to get as many different of them because then you could make them all walk like a bunch of you know poodles. <laughs> and they came in different colors, and, and that was that was that was the thing. And I've never seen their like again. Um, you could have been the lizard king. <laughs> I could have been. The, I, I am the lizard king in a weird way. Um, yeah, and then uh, when I was uh, nine, um, the family split into another. Uh, miniseries and we moved to uh, Plainfield, New Jersey which began uh, my tenure in New Jersey and I lived in Plainfield until I was 18 just under 19 and where I moved to uh, what was West Patterson, New Jersey which is now Woodland Park, New Jersey Oh yes Oh yes And then that brought me to Totowa which then eventually brought me to Riverside, California, in a weird roundabout way. Boy, you've only been in California for a couple years, right? I did the back and forth for about three years. And then last year, um, I was supposed to bring the car and all of my possessions. And I flew right before um, the... Lockdown? Whatever. Well, yeah, it, it was lockdown, but it was specifically the the threat of not being able to travel at least internationally. Mm. And then suddenly Mm. there was like, well, maybe we shouldn't even do it state to state. So I lasted in New Jersey for a whole six days before I flew back with very little accomplished, (laughs) very little accomplished. Um, And my car still in New Jersey. So I will be making that truck uh, this uh, July uh, of this year uh, with my husband. I'll be flying to New Jersey doing some things he'll be flying to New Jersey and then I will be fl- I will be driving back in July finally doing all that yes. and it's yeah. but technically I've, I've lived here I've been on the lease so I count that as living here for a year <laughs> I still haven't changed my driver's Counts. license though like I, a lot of like I don't get most of my mail here like and I was that I was that guy yeah. who who liked writing checks, so I didn't like making online payments because I like a check. I just like a check. <laughs> and but since I don't have anything like here, I had to start. I had to get into that groove, and I'm a little bitter about it actually. Mm. So thanks for bringing. Yeah, thanks for, sure. Thanks for bringing that up. No. <laughs> thanks for picking that scab. I'm I'm curious. Wait, Lillian, did we say we want to go into family dynamics? Because now yes. I'm curious about uh. I'm curious about all of the step-by-step iterations. I want to know the TGIF lineup mm. of Victor's <laughs> life. <laughs> well, it's weird being a mid-season replacement. I'll tell you that. 
because <laughs> I'm t- I'm from the second marriage. So whenever I tell people, and I will, uh, I will, I have let people know my family history at jury duty because I'm that. Uh, yes. Well, because it's it's an invariable question. People say, "Well, do you have any siblings?" Okay, here we go. I mean, that's the thing is it's it's like it's it's a big story, and sure. So I try to do the 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 quick by numbers, but I'll I'll expand it as necessary. So my first uh, the first marriage. Uh, my father, it all circles around my father. My father is the only constant. And he got married mm. at just 18 uh, to a woman named Katie, who then with oh, okay. him, uh, they raised three girls. So I have three sisters. Uh, oh, and I don't do the whole half thing. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. So they're just my sisters. Um, I used to do the step thing. I don't do that anymore either. Um, so... What I mean by that is I just call them my, my siblings. Yes. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, because I was raised with them uh, in some iteration. I mean, some of them only briefly. By, um, so the three girls and then uh, my she died, uh, sadly, of heart disease uh, young in life. And he was in love with my mother. And uh, there's some discussion if there was any overlap there. I frankly don't know. Um, however, sure. uh, my mother... Uh, uh, Jane uh, Elizabeth Erasmus was uh, a very, as I, as I know, as I understand it, a very uh, feminist, strong-willed, and uh, somewhat uh, bonkers. And uh, she would have been what we would now call bipolar, but at the time called manic depressive. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, she also probably was at least bisexual, if not, um, you know, uh, getting married to a man either to please her parents or to, mm-hmm. you know, further something in herself. But she did have a son from her first marriage, who is my brother. So we're up to four. <laughs> Those keeping a track. Um, uh-huh. And then uh, after um, a miscarriage, they had me. So I was, I think, I think I was tried for. From all accounts, I was, I was tried for. Why they needed to try after four, I couldn't tell you. Like, why that was something that they really wanted to do. But um, that's what it was. Um, so inevitably, um, and I don't mind I don't mind expanding on this, um, but unless you want, you don't want me to, uh, through my mother did not uh, survive her mental illness and uh, took her life when I was just under the age of three. So it's something that has always sort of been part of my life. And always sort of something that has been fodder to deconstruct. Like it's, I mean, mm-hmm. that, that'll last you forever. Figuring out your mother's motivations and the family dynamics that there were. And unfortunately dealing with the fact that she probably was a very difficult woman to live with. And a very difficult woman to have as a mother. Uh, from several accounts, my siblings say that she would have been really cool with me. She would have loved the fact that I ended up being a theatrical queer person that would have been I mean I loved I'd love to think so and mm. but unfortunately most of my um, knowledge of her is tangent is a uh, tertiary because it's through photographs and it's through frankly siblings who are not that much older than me and a father who just mm. wasn't really paying attention so uh, yeah so very soon after that my father's never been single so he very quickly got remarried to he just can't he just can't be single. Uh, he got sure. married to the woman who did end up raising me uh, through 
my young years and who I'm still close with. And if I refer to my mother or my mom in the present tense, that is who I refer to. Um, it's a woman named Joyce uh, who uh, is an immigration attorney and uh, minister. She's very, lovely. Very, I, I was raised by very smart people. My father was is a minister and a philosophy major. Like I, I have brilliant parents. Um, and it's probably where I get my verbosity from. <laughs> and uh, so Joyce raised me uh, with my father, and she was the one who came to Plainfield with my father when that split happened. The on- only one of my sisters came with us, so that was when that really adjusted. Uh, so Durham was three sisters, a brother, and me, and then um, Plainfield was me and a sister. And them. But you're the youngest of everybody? Of that time, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, there Again, there's a late, there's another, uh, some, re- like, my, my, my sitcom, they just kept throwing things at it, and they're like, let's add a kid late. late. <laughs> what, uh, wow. Let's spice this up. What if, what let's if, get a like, cousin Oliver. somebody's pregnant, but also there's a pizza shop in this one? <laughs> <laughs> well, the- will they or won't they? <laughs> Oh, spoiler. <laughs> Apparently he always will. So. <laughs> well, and, and Joyce also had two adult sons who I never lived with, um, but who are around. Um, in fact, one of them still lives with her. Uh, they work together uh, through the immigration service. And the other one lives still lives in Connecticut. So we moved to Plainfield. Uh, as long as the love shall last, my parents, uh, their marriage uh, dissolved after just about nine years. And my father married the woman that he had fallen in love with during that marriage, uh, which is why I say there may have been a little overlap earlier. Yeah, and, sure. uh, you know, foreshadowing. And uh, <laughs> then he married my stepmother, with whom uh, I have two uh, technically stepsisters, but my sisters, uh, one of whom uh, Lillian knows uh, as Ellie Favola, who is uh, a cabaret singer who's worked with White Elephant Burlesque before. Yeah. And is one of who I'm, I'm uh, still very close with. I tried to be, I'm, I'm pretty good with all of them, uh, except my brother, who's a Trump supporter in, Southern, in uh, South Carolina. But oh, what's a numbers game, man? One of them was going to have to be bad. Yeah, right? I know. Well, oh, my God. Yeah. And one could, <laughs> one could argue nature versus nurture on that one, because, again, my mother, our mother, would have not been cool with that. Yeah, not even a little. But uh, but her parents were very conservative and frankly fucked her up pretty good. A lot of Catholic guilt really messed with her about the divorce. And if she did have repressed sexuality, which uh, she did, frankly, my father has confirmed that. Um, listen, I mean, that's that's rough. 1982? Dealing, uh, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yes, dealing with that through 1982, but she died in 86. Yeah, that's that's a different time. That's a different time. Yeah, but you, and I remember you saying that your your family was pretty chill. Like you came out pretty young, didn't you? Yes, and I really could have come out a lot earlier. Um, as um, I'm assuming you mean uh, my sexuality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not as a debutante. As a debutante, I came out. At the um, yeah, I came out at 16 officially. And then I came out again. The, the thing about being a, a, a gay guy specifically is that you sort of always come out. You come out every time that you talk about your relationships 
where you talk about mm-hmm. like I, I come out every single time I tell a Lyft driver that I'm married. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's interesting that that happens. But I told my friends, basically, the earliest friends I told in eighth grade that I was pretty sure I was bisexual because I was still deconstructing what it meant to find women attractive, but not necessarily interested in dating, marrying or having sex with. Because eighth grade, what the eighth grade, what the hell do I know? Um, <laughs> Those are big questions for thirteen. I mean, really? Yeah. Well, because <laughs> you have to think about it. if I was if I was uh, predetermined. My my cat's making noise. If I was predetermined to, uh, or not predetermined. If I was pre inclined to have a lot mm-hmm. of female entertainment figures at the forefront, not the least of which being Madonna. Who, I mean, frankly, 1990 is a drag queen. I mean, yeah, absolutely. super high femme, sure. eyebrow, Breathless Mahoney is is the closest thing, frankly, to a human Jessica Rabbit at that time. Yeah. So, and uh, so, I mean, and all, the, and Catwoman and, and a lot of other, a lot of um, semi-fictional, but mostly uh, the folks, the women behind them as well. I was a big fan of, of old Hollywood actors and things. Again, heavily made up, very drag. And uh, being told that that meant that I was attracted to them. I was told that I wanted to marry Madonna, that that was the goal. And it wasn't. I wanted to be Madonna. And not in a, and not in a, uh, which I would later learn the term would be trans, not in a trans way, but in a, uh, I wanted to take that essence and that that formidability and that strength. I'm doing this expression with my shoulders for yeah. the audience at it's home. It's epaulets. For Victor some has reason. Right yes. for some, emotional epaulets. I understand that. <laughs> I think we yes. deserve emotional epaulets. Yes. For um, sure. <laughs> and, and also, I was, all, I was all friends with almost all women, all girls at that point, and, and adult women. I was friends with my parents' friends, and I gravitated towards the women. Um, singers. All the singers that I liked were women. I don't mm-hmm. think... I'm trying to think if I if until my adulthood if there was any guy other than Raffi that I listened to <laughs> as a child. That's so good. <laughs> I don't think so. Like I really don't think so. I mean, Not I, even I think Billy the, the book. You seem like you'd the, have a Billy Joel I family. I liked Billy Joel, but that was actually more of a later in life situation. That was a All teenager right. thing. My yeah. parents liked him. But, uh, and I knew him. I knew of him. I remember Uptown Girl coming out. But again. The bard, William Joel. But again, w- I remember Uptown Girl because of Christy Brinkley. <laughs> like, it's a. <laughs> <laughs> oh, solid. Oh, my God. That's so good. Because <laughs> I remember, because that was the thing on MTV. And again, I would be, a, like, I would be aware of Bowie and Billy Idol and Michael Jackson. I liked Michael Jackson, actually. that That's probably the the next one. Thriller was Oh, a, was Jen a loved album. Michael Jackson, too. I loved Michael Jackson. Man, fuck that. I'm so mad. <laughs> to be exceedingly glib for a dreary, fucked up situation. Wow. Fuck that. <laughs> I think that's a great I mean, to that end, I mean, to, to that end, I mean, I, I still, I, I still can, I still can thrill her out if I feel like it. So, um, <sighs> yeah, so, I mean, and be aware of, of sort of these, I, I apparently... Um, when I was, when I, oh, when I was born, um, I, I had an affliction. My arm was semi-paralyzed. It wasn't, uh, fully functional. It was actually sort of stuck to my body. Um, and 
I had to go through essentially what would physical therapy. And one of the things that uh, would happen, my sister Amy has told me this, that um, one of the physicals that my mother would do like, just let's dance, put on your blue shoes and dance the way, and do that with my arms for, and keeping in mind, I'm an infant. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, and I have no, I have That's no recollection great. of ever having an issue with my arms. I don't have any issue with my oh, arms now. Um, so it must have been cleared up by the time of her death. But I mean, probably, probably within the year. But yeah, that was a thing. That was a thing. Yeah. So that, so I guess they oh tried to give me uh, semi-androgynous uh, male <laughs> entertainers. <laughs> but even Bowie, I didn't really like until I was a dolphin either. Yeah. I wasn't. Sure. I was never very attached to um, celebrities in any way. We've including, talked about and, this, yeah. yeah and um, Victor, every so often he's like, you know, that Madonna song that everybody knows. And I'm like, I don't do that anymore. No, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. And people who have you agree, known me, you people agree, who have known me one. for like a year or more, the only person who still does it to me is Lauren. And I think she's just hoping. That I will, our friend Lauren Milberger, she'll throw things it's out. It's hard to catch up with Lauren. She's, she said something the other day. She was like, oh, my God, I uh, uh, I had a feeling that John Mulaney and his wife had gotten divorced, and they did. And I was like, I've literally never thought about John Mulaney's wife in my entire fucking life. <laughs> and she well, was did like, you ever listen I follow to the, her. listen or watch his stand-up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know she, she talks about Because she in her. a lot, yeah. Sure, sure. But, I, I mean, I think more about, uh, yeah. Yeah, the like the Jewish American princess stuff. Um, mm. But mm-hmm. she, d- Lauren follows her on Instagram. In that moment, I've heard the joke, and then she's disappeared. She's gone. Got it. She's not she's just in front a, of me. She's just. I don't know her name. A device. Right. She is. Don't give her a second name because then I definitely no. won't know mm-hmm. it. <laughs> no, like Mike Berbiglia does that. He talks about his wife, and then he's like, "I call her Jen. Her name is Jen, but he calls her Moo or something like that." Anyway. Um, and you're like, well, now I don't know either of no. those names. So, so I will erase it. And one of them is more of an utterance, really. So. Yes. <laughs> uh, her name is uh. Well, um, the, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. Just uh, uh, anyone who's known me for very long knows that I don't have pop culture references. In spades, well, a, I don't have them. For a while, that's all I had. Because I didn't have any... Um, my I was I was already okay. So my siblings um, have a lot of idiosyncrasies and a lot of behavioral stuff that they went through, and as as as, as one does. And I did I wasn't interesting, and I didn't have any. I was boring, and I didn't have any. Uh, I, eventually, I had the the gayness, um, but I didn't have the theatricality necessarily, and I didn't have the topics. I didn't have any way mm. to infiltrate a conversation or make people look at me or pay attention to me. And I wasn't a song and dance kid, per se. Um, I did do some community theater, and I did do um, a couple of school things, but that stopped at puberty. Stopped. Really? Because suddenly not- people started saying that my mannerisms were a specific way and I became very self-conscious about the way that I spoke and I became very self-conscious about the way that I moved so and if you ever catch me really drunk you will basically get a good approximation of what that was like uh, <laughs> um, so like faggy like faggy and I can say that because I have a gay friend um, so the so my my compensation for that was 
of all things, to read the entertainment area side of Newsweek and Time and eventually the Arts and Leisure section of the New York Times because those were the things in the house. Uh, and to- Connecticut. I mean, well, and my parents. <laughs> straight up my parents. That's, that's, For that's, sure. that's that. Uh, I mean, eventually, I think we had the Utney Reader, but I wasn't exactly scouring that for... <laughs> what is that? I don't know what that is. Um, it's, I believe it's a sociopolitical, like, highbrow... Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, and eventually, uh, yeah, like, things nice. like The New Yorker and other things would infiltrate, but that mostly happened... I mean, Joyce would, would subscribe to a magazine. She would just subscribe. And, uh, and this is all pre-internet, obviously. So that was like my way. I learned a lot of pop culture stuff through some television, like hard copy and a current affair. So I could infiltrate conversations with pop culture Smart. stuff. I get it. Suddenly I had, I had, oh, I had the wealth of the world. Huh. You wanted and, to know? And about what age is this? About what age is it that you can slide into a conversation and be like, some Bill Gates, huh? <laughs> seven or eight. About seven or eight. Oh my yeah. God! Seven or eight until... It's amazing! Yeah. Well, and that was the case until I was about 18 or 19, because then I started to be able to do that with my Rocky Horror people. I could tr- I, I knew all the tea. I knew all of it. And then I now I can do that with burlesque. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I've basically, I've basically, I mean, I still know it to a degree. I mean, I think we're at the the height, uh, maybe not since um, Hedda Hopper. I don't think, we, I think we're at the height of, of pop culture awareness and blind items and people saying what people, mm. like getting in people's business uh. Uh, because of the internet and Twitter and things like that. But, so I know it, but I'm, I'm not as good as I once was. And my references are, are sometimes a little dated. And I've learned through being friends being friends with people like Lillian Bustle uh, that not everyone knows uh, some of my references. And that's okay. I'm never mad at that. I'm never going to be that, like, guy who says, oh, you don't know that movie? What the hell? No, yeah, no, no. no. I You've want... never made me feel that way. Ever, no. ever, ever. No. I love being the one who introduces things to people because then I can do it on my terms and I'll be the one that you always think of whenever it comes up again. Yeah. And your ability to contextualize things is incredible. And also, you. if you're like, here's this movie, it happened at this time and there's this part of it that might be a little questionable, but if you like it, you might also like House on Haunted Hill or like what, right. and you're like, mm, try it. And, and it's, uh, 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 as opposed to someone just being like, here's a title, go look it up, you're on your own. Because and you are an algorithm. <laughs> you well, are. And by no means a full one. Like, to date, I've never seen the film Goonies. To date. Really? And that is. It. This comes no, up no, no, frequently. No, no, no. But yes. that's like seminal for a lot of folks. That's like seminal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially considering some of the other movies that are of that time period that I yeah. do know, um, Ghostbusters was never a big deal for me. So when oh, I saw the remake, interesting. Yeah. when I saw the remake, I prefer the remake because I have no oh, nostalgia so to fall back on. Right. Um, I don't think it's a particularly great first movie. I like Sigourney Weaver. I like uh, Bill Murray. And I like uh, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. I could really give <laughs> a damn about most of the rest of it. Um, I like the lady who plays Janice. She's more in the second one, though. Yes. Annie Potts. Yes. Yes. But Annie Potts, that, the thing is, though, as quintessential of, of Annie Potts is in that movie, um, 
she is a character actress. So she is constantly playing roles like that. Right. Like in, uh, what is it? Pretty in Pink or Sixteen Candles? I don't remember which. Oh. Pretty, Pretty in Pink. Pink. Um, and uh, her role on Designing Women. Like, there's a lot of where she plays that character. Yeah, yeah. It's so the, I'm, she, once you, that's my context like for that, her. that, sometimes people will only put you in those characters, so I completely... I for sure. Also, she's actor. a redhead, also. And you remember, like... And I can't remember her name, but I bet you know who I'm talking about. The chubby, the chubby redheaded next door neighbor who she just passed away like maybe last year. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that wasn't Clever- Mrs. Garrett, but the one who was like that. She was Conchita. the other, the next door mom on Small Wonder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Conchita. Is that Farrell? Conchita Farrell. I can see, but but yes, but yeah, I see. I and if you do want to watch Goonies, I would be fascinated to watch it with you because recently, not recently, but like within the last three years, me Conchata, and Jen watched Conchata it. Conchata, Conchata Conchata. Yeah, yeah. Yes. What a darling. Not to be confused with Edie McClurg, who also played a lot of those roles. No, I love Edie McClurg. I also I enjoy. Um, yes. So, so great. Uh, Jen and I, uh, Jen and Andrew came over and Don and I <laughs> watched Goonies with them and like Andrew was like, "Boy, <clears throat> there's a lot of a lot of plot holes in this. Uh, <laughs> are we cool with the fact that that the sloth character? We're all just okay with this. How are we? It's kind of racist against Italians too. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very hard if you cannot like fully suspend disbelief and be back in that time. I I." You may want to watch it. Uh, it might make your teeth hurt. <laughs> it's, I'm able to suspend. I mean, I watch, and I, I'm also under no illusions that classic movie means good. Sure. Formative films don't necessarily have to mean six, uh, successful in the grand scheme of things. Sometimes things For are sure. just a moment in time. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I was just bitching about St. Elmo's Fire and what a train wreck that is. <gasps> Oh my god, but you didn't actually, so we didn't beat this out in the episode last week, but I really truly want to hear about your experience with, with it. Because I only fire? saw a couple. <laughs> yes. It's not even worth putting time on this podcast. It. <laughs> I have an entire fictional podcast about how much I hate this <laughs> And it's called Firing St. Elmo's Fire. St. Elmo is fired. St. <laughs> Hood denied. I mean, I we could start with Annie McDowell and how her face doesn't move, but that's not that's not already. That's not Do what we makes the, the clown movie in terrible. Bed? Her face doesn't move. In, oh, not okay. So not through like a Botox situation because she's fairly expressive with some other things. So is you're she? saying she's just non-expressive? I think she always looks like a worried Saint Bernard. There's, there's. Oh my God, I mean, so it's good. been a I minute could... since I've explored my Annie McDowell collection, oh, but I hate her. Oh, do I, you really? I is she very like, is much she like hate one Annie of yours? McDowell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I I constantly confuse her with Minnie Driver. No, oh, I like Minnie Driver. So, no, but they both I have love that Minnie curly Driver, hair but situation. They both, yeah. I mean, they do have different faces, but they're also like popular in the same moment that's fair and they both have this iconic dark curly hair and they play similar roles that's fair so well you there can is a good 15 year difference in them though i think is there i think and he's older i think so at least at yeah, least she, in terms of the movies she that came she out got on the scene much older because i think circle of friends was mini driver's first big thing and big that was thing. the 90s for sure and then goodwill hunting mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm 
Yeah. Uh, Maybe but, that's why I think Minnie Driver must be so old. Because I think that she was Auntie McDowell and then just became <laughs> Minnie Driver. And I'm like, how are you still playing 30s? <laughs> I have conflated many an actor in this way. Oh, oh. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's longevity. Just get another actor everyone thinks is you. And then that's your icon status. So, Victor, what what happened with Renee Selwiger? Oh, yikes. Have you you guys watched her recent Endeavor? I can't remember what it's called now, but it's it's super almost like film noir-y, where... um, it's the girl from uh, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist is the protagonist. And then Renee Zellweger plays this character where it's it's um, exactly like Indecent Proposal, where she's like this powerful businesswoman. And she's like, I, I'll give you this like millions of dollars for your startup te- um, medical tech company if I can fuck your husband or if I can have him for a night. But he's not allowed to tell you what we did. So I'm only on episode two. Oh, I think it's called If Then. I think you're right. Is that yeah. Netflix? Is what they did, like, bury a body? Because I feel like we can all mostly guess what they did I, if it's an it indecent proposal situation. It seems to be, I mean, things are being revealed bit by bit. Oh. But it is certainly not just sex, whatever what, it was. What if? What if? What if? If Then was the musical, right? Yeah, with uh, Adina Menzel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, it's all in there. See, it's all still here. Yeah, I can do it. It's I can do it. It's all there. Where we were yeah. supposed to believe that uh, Adina and uh, Anthony Rapp were lovers. <laughs> and that's like the sliding, that's sliding doors too, right? Isn't that essentially? Yeah, it's the same sliding yeah. doorsy thing. Which I love is um, like a relatively unremarkable, like 97, 98 rom-com with Gwyneth Paltrow. Right. And that's becoming like the a ubiquitous expression. Like, oh, it's like sliding doors. Even Which people who have never because, seen Sliding yes. Doors. Yeah, there have to have been examples saw, I saw it, cinematically of... I saw it once. I saw it, I saw it. Yeah, I saw it once. I don't remember any of it except that in one reality she's brunette and in one reality she's blonde. <laughs> and thank God. Because <sighs> otherwise, who could keep track? <laughs> well, I mean... It's all the same. It all ends in goop. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to know what the tentpole pieces of pop culture for you have been. Oh, the temples. Oh, um, so I was a, a highly latchable child when it came to fandoms. So mm. early on, I would make I was I would make fan fiction, and I would make stories that continued films yes. or took them in a different direction. I didn't know that was what it was called at the time, um, and I didn't have any like nothing was sacred. Like my favorite film of all time is Clue, and I'm one of those folks. Who, if somebody says, "Can you believe they're going to remake that?" I don't care. Sure, mm. remake it. I don't. I, I'm not one of those people who thinks that it erases the. I didn't care if people remade Rocky Horror, and that that is gospel to me. Mm-hmm. But the thing about Rocky Horror is that there are so many elements of it, from audience participation to dressing up as it to people thinking it's a bad movie. I don't think it's a bad movie. Um, so there's so many like things to sort of latch on to. Uh, Clue is similar in that way, even though it doesn't have, although people try to rock your heart, Clue, in that varying success. Um, it's a big thing here in California, I've learned. There's a lot of folks where I'm like, oh, you you were in Rocky Horror. Which Clue character did you also play? Because that was a thing. What? That was a thing. <laughs> that was I a mean, thing. that makes sense. It sort of tracks energetically. It's very, but yeah. 
It's well because because it's, <laughs> it's it's weird in the sense that Clue is edited in a very different way than Rocky Horror is. Rocky Horror has these. I mean, yes, there are some major Clue scenes that take a long chunk of time, like the dinner scene, the time in the study. But even the time in the study requires people to go racing across <laughs> and like. So the idea. Uh, and I've, I've seen a staged production of it. I saw Sally Struthers as Mrs. Peacock at the Buc- oh my God. at the Bucks County Playhouse, which was oh, an adaptation yeah. of yeah, yeah. It never went anywhere. It I can't... did not. What it was is it was sold to community theaters, and it was sold to high schools, and uh, it was sold to um, oh, what's the like dinner theaters like it's that kind of it would play really well in those in those sure. circles um oh yeah I, if you really want to deep dive you there are so many musicals and play adaptations of films that never made it out of tryouts I know. but are technically published uh, like there was and a probably were at Club. bucks county playhouse <laughs> yes i remember that oh god bless which bucks one? county playhouse of uh, first wives there was like a whole oh, like, yeah, there was like I a yeah that. And, I remember that. And they go through, sometimes there's multiple iterations, and the only, and usually the musicals, there are some source recordings, and some of them, like I remember when uh, The Little Mermaid was supposed to be a musical in the early 2000s, and they did a demo reel, they did like a demo tape of it, and some of it is in the final Broadway version that happened in the late 2000s, but a lot of it is not. Uh, and the reason for that is because it was rewritten so many times because it got pushed aside for Aida. So, like, they, they decided what they uh, wanted to Oh, hell. Well. <laughs> and then they're like, okay, what can we do next? So they, they look back. Anyway, so uh, Clue was a big deal for me. Watched it a lot on tape. Uh, yes, it was shown a lot on TV. Uh, every once in a while, a uh, mutual friend of, of Lillian's and mine, Anya Keister, will say, oh, did you watch it a lot on Comedy Central? Like, girl, I saw it a decade earlier <laughs> on, like, NBC. <laughs> Crazy story. Yeah. Anya Keister, who I don't believe I've ever seen perform, but I know her stage name because of Lillian. Um, I learned through Facebook that Anya Keister and I went to summer camp together. We went to Girl That's Scout right. camp. <laughs> I love oh. that. Anya stands Girl Scouts for sure. We've had Girl Scout conversations. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is funny. Um, <laughs> I have a, a real quickie thing. Did you see, I'm sure that there have been more than one Clue burlesque shows, um, but did you see the one that was at the tank by any chance? I did. Where, oh, I was there. I was there for that. That was, I think, probably before we knew each other because I don't remember sitting with you. It would not have been before we knew each other, but Maybe we it may have been the there on night. different nights. It okay. probably was different nights. Because I, I went with um, Gretchen, who I think you've met, my best friend. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, was Mara Jen... Wilson in the audience at the night that you were there? Oh, if she was, nobody made a big deal out of it. Okay. Because I talked to her after. So she was at the night that I was at. No. She and I, I have she and so Iris many connections friends. to Mara Wilson. I can't believe we haven't had drinks together. Like, <laughs> Right? <laughs> She should totally guest on this podcast. She'd by probably the way. be a really great guest. Maybe Sarah Benincasa. Too. I think she'd be an excellent. Now I know guest. you. You've, you said that you would encourage uh, like uh, cringe moments at times. I have an accidental yes. cringe moment with Mara Wilson. Please. Ooh. Oh. Oh. At go the for tank it. after Clue, I was introducing uh, Gretchen to her, and I, we were talking, 
and I, I realized that I, I felt there's a certain point because Mara's at a, at a is very friendly and very, um, uh, you know, very personable. Yeah. Yeah. Very personable. And I, at one point I said, I think I, I'm taking up too much of your time in my head. So I decided to cut the, our conversation short and accidentally went, well, it was nice talking to you. And that sigh immediately made her cha- her face change and immediately made my skin recede into my body oh, that no. I made her think that she was wasting my time. Oh, no. Oh, no. And oh, I, I feel that. I felt suddenly so insecure that I was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. And shortly after this, um, we were Facebook friends on Facebook, uh, her personal account. I don't know if she still has a personal account on Facebook. She does have a public figure account, uh, but she's also prolific on Twitter. If anyone doesn't follow her, she's really great. Yes, she sure is. She's a great retweeter and she's a great original content creator. And shortly after this, I had to, uh, there was this big Facebook purge in Burlesque Land uh, where a lot of folks had to get new accounts because um, their names weren't suddenly good. And I did that preemptively because I was afraid of losing access to my page. So I needed to do that. I did. So I did that. And it was right before Rock Bar, our tenure at Rock Bar. And it was a big deal. So I thought, oh, better do it now. Because mm-hmm. if suddenly when I have a weekly show, this happens, Shit. I'm going to lose my mind. And so I created it. And then I ad friended I friend requested her I friend requested everybody again and she never accepted my friend request and I don't necessarily think it's because of that moment I think it's just because she knows billions of people and who the hell am I Um, (laughs) and I had lucked more or less lucked into just getting her as a Facebook friend in the first place I think probably through something I was tagged with Iris and I was like okay so now I would uh, that occurs to me almost every single time that I think of her. Um, it occurred to me the uh-huh, entire sure. time I listened to her audiobook, which was very good. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah, that's my. Well, I think we should be going. Yeah. Oh awful, my god. Awful. Oh no. Instant well, I death. Mean, I hardly instant ever death. I hardly ever even try to have a conversation with um with celebrities because a I do, in- invariably don't know the oeuvre. <laughs> like I'm not going to be able to pull <laughs> things up. Um, and, um, I, I just don't know how to chat unless there's something specific. Like I had a fun thing that I wanted to chat with Patton Oswalt about when I met him. Um, like, but yeah, very, very, very rarely. I'm usually just like, Hey, dig your work. Or with Mara, I'd be like, we have a million people common. Love your Twitter. Peace. Um, but to have an actual conversation, uh, uh, I'm often with someone who is good at doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, oh, Shauna is a perfect example of someone <laughs> who can talk to literally anyway, anyone and who, um, who shoot crumbs, famous Broadway actress. And she was also on walking dead and why I'm, her name isn't Golda, but... Oh, oh, it's um, Tova Felsha. Yes, Tova oh, Felsha. Tova Felsha. 
from kissing Jessica Stein. That's how I know her. Oh yes, also mm-hmm. from. Uh, for some, we went to the Walker Stalker Con. We went to the Walking Dead convention, and Tova Felchu she, happened, she was to, on happened to be Dead. there. Yeah, she was uh, like yeah. the president of Alexandria, yeah. uh, and there was nobody at her table. And I literally stopped in my tracks, and I was like, guys. And it, it wasn't one of those that you only had to pay if you wanted to like talk to Elvira uh, in general, or like. Um, uh, like me, some of the main ones you had to pay, but with her, you only had to pay if you wanted like a picture or if you wanted to buy something from her. And she was so happy that we went up and talked to her. And Shauna oh was just God. like, doop a doop, and she was like, doop 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 doop. And then they were best friends. And then she was like, here's my friend. And I was like, I don't know things, but I think you're great. <laughs> Shauna, tap back in. Tap back in. <laughs> well, sometimes I mean, I and think scene. sometimes celebrities, are celebrities, or or at least notable people, if not celebrities, because I think I think Tova's famous, but I wouldn't call her a celebrity in that realm. Sure, uh, she's mm. known. She's certainly known. Uh, she's also really good on Law and Order. I recently rewatched uh, oh, some episodes nice. of those. But if uh, if you talk to some folks, I think they kind of find it. They, there's always that sort of like, are they going to mention my work? But if you don't, I don't know if that's necessarily expected or uh, gets in the way of just, you know, bullshitting. But are you, do you not think of yourself as a good bullshitter? As someone who can just talk to anyone? As... So if I was – I'm fine if I don't know who the person is. For example, I see. Um, Don's that gets in your way. <laughs> boss. Well, I get a little, um, if it's somebody that I like and if it's somebody who I know is, if it's somebody who I know is famous, but I don't know what they've done. Sure. Um, for example, uh, Don's boss, we went to his wedding in North Carolina and there were a couple of very famous hockey players there. And at the time I was smoking cigarettes and this other hockey player like bummed a cigarette off of me. And I came back and Don was like, where were you? And I was like, oh, I was just talking to that hockey player that you introduced me to. And he was like, you were outside for a half an hour with enter a famous hockey person's name. <laughs> like Wayne Gretzky or some a, shit. That's the only one that we can that's think That's my of. only. No, yeah. No. For sure. He's, he's young. Three theater kids, we've got nothing. He's young and <laughs> notably one of the very few black people in the NHL. Oh, um, oh okay. And, uh, black Wayne Gretzky, black got it. <laughs> Um, don't, please don't ever go up to somebody and say that to him, <laughs> whoever this hey! person is. That's his favorite. <laughs> um, no, but he's, again, he's uh, a very, uh, sports is a perfect example. I don't know anything about sports. <clears throat> Even if it was Wayne Gretzky, I probably could bullshit with him because I don't know or care about what he's done. Um, and this person, you know, we were just talking about him growing up in Canada and like, how it is to be in the States and away from his family and like what kinds of bourbon he likes. <laughs> Basically he was awesome. like, completely putting cool, the moves on me, but we, we wound up hanging out with him till like four o'clock in the morning and then yeah. we're viciously hung over for the actual wedding. But, um, yeah, when it's, uh, uh, I, I met Jim Gaffigan one time. I got very tongue tied. Um, I, I just don't know what I don't know what to say. My, you know what it is. My mom used to whore me out to get fucking autographs as a kid when I was a child. Not actually whore me out, but she would be like, "No one says no to a little kid," and I would I would walk up to people who I didn't know and I'd be like, "Can you sign this?" And they said, like, "No, no, bother me." The stars who were like, "You have no business watching this soap opera, you tiny child." <laughs> 
to say, one of my biggest faux pas, there's no excuse for this faux pas, and a Virgo and Capricorn are going to be very, very disappointed in me for this, but there's no excuse. Um, way back in the olden days, uh, one of my first jobs was with Patton Oswalt. And, like, I knew of him, but I didn't know him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember it had sort of dimly occurred to me, like, oh, you should do some research on, like, who's mainly in the cast. And I was like, yeah, 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 I'll get there. But then I arrived on set, and I hadn't done it yet, so I didn't know faces. And I ended up, uh, we were shooting at this little teeny tiny studio in Brooklyn. And I ended up in basically like a green room holding area with Patton. (laughs) And and I was trying to get the Wi-Fi working. And I look over to him, I'm like, hey, do you know the password for the Wi-Fi? And he's like, no, I've been trying to get it myself. And he's like, let me go see if somebody knows. I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> and then we start rehearsing the scenes together, and I'm like, oh, fuck, that's Patton. God damn it, I knew I should have Googled this sooner. But here's here's the best part. Patton and I have now been friends for the last 10 years. Because you immediately put him on the same level as you. Right. See, there was no hero Yeah, worship. I wasn't, there, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, just like stumbling all over myself, which there are only a few people I would do that with mm. uh, at this point. Like, I've gotten pretty good at keeping my shit together. I would say the biggest challenge of that was Jeff Goldblum. Um, <laughs> without question. Who among us? But, Oh, among us. But um, with Patton, it was great because we just worked together for that whole day. And then, like, he followed me on Twitter and shit. And he would send me messages. And he's like, I just saw you on TV. And I got so excited for you. And I was like, oh. That makes my, my heart, heart explode. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, and, like, so, yeah. So uh, it's a lovely thing that can sometimes make a relationship. Sure. But you also and didn't like. Very green you also didn't like too. huff an expulsive sigh in his face. Oh, no. I did not. I'm, I'm not. That's how I'm, I'm going to say goodbye to you from now on, Lilia. <laughs> well, <laughs> we tried. I know. I, I think I, well, we've been talking for a good five minutes. I think it's time to hit the dusty trails. That's it. We're good, right? We're good here. Okay. Good. Is that a take? All right. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> I think I I've only met a few um notable folks like outside of context. Like I met um I was at a couple parties. Uh I had a friend who used to work for Drowsy Chaperone on Broadway. And I loved Drowsy. I did too. I did too. And oh I, god, so good. I went to the it was sort of like a um what do you call it? A Joanne Worley going away. Uh, and Cindy Williams coming in party at this mm-hmm. very fancy restaurant where, let's just say, the Cosmopolitans were free. And I got very, 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 very drunk. God, I miss parties like that. Oh, God. And uh, I was hanging out with the Aviatrix, uh, whose name I believe is Keisha. It's been a little bit. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. Later known as uh, the Dragon in Shrek. And, and on Broadway. And so 
we were just and I just I I was like I really like the show and it was a lot of fun and Bob Saget is just hanging around. There are pictures of me with Bob Saget, evidently, uh, <laughs> who was also very who was excellent in it. Might I add, he was that, oh so I good. bet he he's was so good, incredible, and uh, like I was so glad I saw Bob Bob Martin though. I, the funny Ugh. thing is, though, since I heard the cast recording after, because I walked in knowing nothing about the show, it sounds mm-hmm. weird hearing Bob Martin in my head whenever I hear him sure. introduce the Sure, yes. Facts. But I, I, I was frankly really glad that I got to see the original chaperone, Beth Level. I got to say that. Yeah, because she was amazing. I love abroad, and that was Broad 101. <laughs> I, yes. I think that I was poor when that was out because I don't think I saw anything that season. There was a whole bunch of good stuff that season. I only saw it because my uh, friend worked for it. I got a free ticket, and then I said yes. Joyce would really like this, and I got a reduced rate ticket and took her because gotcha. that was my that was the only way I knew it. Yeah, I got into Drowsy because I was working for Jimboree at the time, and one of my Jimboree parents, what uh, I think her husband. Worked maybe in like the, in like uh, one of the PR firms. And she was going on and on about the show. And actually, strangely, Victor, the person that you remind me of most, like you look like you could be brothers, is someone that I call my twin, my dear beloved friend, Ricky Ray, who is a composer, a musical theater composer. And um, when I first met him, he was just losing his fucking mind over Drowsy Chaperone. And he talked to me all summer long about how great that show was and when I got back to New York, I should go see it. And so then serendipitously, this woman who was a Jimboree mom was like, oh my God, Drowsy Chaperone. I was like, I've been listening to that shit all summer. And she was like, let me get you tickets for you and your whole family. And I was like, ah, so good. And I went with Andrew and we sat in the orchestra and the two of us laughed so hard that you could pick our laughter out in the house, like almost as if we were being obnoxious, but we were so earnestly tickled by everything. And we got stared at. We had pauses that lasted for us. I mean, it was um, embarrassing, but also so earnestly so good. Um, That's Mm. how Lauren and I went to see Curtains. Which with David Hyde Pierce, and it's entirely yes. it's entirely like theater jokes. The whole mm-hmm. thing is theater mm-hmm. jokes, and mm-hmm. we were screaming, but not performatively. Mm-hmm. So it was just very funny, mm-hmm. and I could tell that the people mm-hmm. in front of us were annoyed. So we like tried to hold it back just a little bit. And at intermission, the guy made a point to come up and said, "Just so you know, we're moving because of you two being so obnoxious," and we were gen- genuinely taken aback. Because I was like, How dare? have you never been to theater before? It's not like we were the only people laughing. It was a very It's not like it was lame as a rob. Joke. Like it was. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Ew. So uh, fuck uh. them if they can't take a joke. That's what I'm trying to say. And you know, you know that the performers must have been over the moon. Oh, we had two jokes that were delivered directly to us. Yeah. I they were, they were not bothered by our reactions. Nope. Mm-hmm. Not in least. But I think that's the thing is like so I was taking I was talking to the Aviatrix because at the Bob Saget, Cindy Williams, Joanne Worley party, no one cared about her. She was just there because she was in the cast and she was hanging out. So you find mm-hmm. like so we're like common ground, just like chilling, hanging out, doing the things. I think I I must have at that point told her I was doing burlesque <laughs> at that point. Um yes. and, and so it, it was just really it's I think um there was 
uh, a few folk. I yeah, I guess I guess what it is is just sort of like finding common ground. And if you come up on a, as a fan, or as someone who like really, uh, what did I see? Oh, I met. Did you remember America's Top Model when they the first cycle that they had guys as models, and there was uh, the very buff one who everyone thought was going to win the girl who was everyone's like well does she win in the cycle where they finally bring guys in that seems a little weird she did she Mm. did end up winning uh and then the thin femme faggy one and who i'm pretty sure he'd be okay with that description because he is thin and faggy um and his name is Corey, and he's known in philadelphia and i was at a show in philadelphia and he was just hanging out because he was like a judge for like a song singing competition and we were just talking for a little bit and at one point I had to break the mask and be like by the way you, I don't usually say this but you totally should have won <laughs> and he had like this moment yes. of like thank you <laughs> oh. mm-hmm. but also I didn't want to like that be the first thing so I, I did admit I may have like forced small talk for five minutes before I said that there are worse and things and then huffed in his face and walked away <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is kind of your thing. <laughs> Can you think of any specifically like cringy or tender-hearted moments about either your time in Rocky Horror or when you first started doing burlesque? Cringy or tender-hearted? Um, well, it's funny. Rocky, there there was a very strange experience being in Rocky Horror. I did it for seven years, and there was one overlap year with that and burlesque. Uh, for those who don't know, White Elephant Burlesque originally was comprised of Rocky Horror cast members. And I was sort of, I guess in a weird way, I was sort of like a teen idol situation for a lot of audience members. I didn't know that, and I didn't have the wherewithal to really be a dick about it, which I guess is a plus. Um, (laughs) But I was young and lithe and handsome, and when I was young and had beauty and grace. And, uh, but I was also, I always had like thighs and I always had an ass and I was always like uh, curvy as a, even as a thin guy, even uh, when I was significantly thinner. And I had a bunch of, of uh, girls, specifically girls, if never guys. Uh, my, header, my Rocky Horror experience was very heteronormative, oddly. <laughs> Oddly, <laughs> and it is. Although what's funny is that I dated three men through Rocky Horror, but it was all incidental. Like it was all uh, like cast situation. But um, <laughs> well, you know, there's a little uh, there's a little Angelina Jolie in us all. <laughs> um, so I think what it was is that like learning about my my strength and my power on stage was sort of incidental because we were just friends. We were just friends doing a movie. And then you had to take into account that we were also like being watched by a lot of, t- a lot of times folks younger than us or our age. Mm-hmm. Cause I gotta say, I had probably more confidence at 18, 19 than some that were watching it. And mm-hmm. um, sort of being exposed to that, I had to sort of be taken aback and go oh I that was odd to, to learn that and then to sort of learn there was a responsibility and in, in uh, being recognized that was fun uh, in, a, in an odd sort of way in terms of um, sort of feeling awkward about it I guess I learned a lot 
I learned that was that was the time because I did, again I didn't do community theater as a teenager, so uh, cast members fucking each other wasn't a concept mm. uh, for me. I didn't know that, and then going into Rocky Horror, that was a big thing. A lot of people dated each other. Sure. A lot of people used to have dated mm-hmm. each other, um, and I joined the week after the September 11th attacks. So oh, there was wow. a big cast fracture. There's a lot of folks who left after that um, because there was a big blow-up argument that I was not present for because I wasn't on cast about how to handle the first show because obviously September 11th was on Tuesday and they were expecting, okay, well, do we do a show on Saturday? What if people yell inappropriate things when the tower falls with Frank, oh, with Frank and Rocky? Like, there's a bunch of jokes that are extraordinarily in oh. bad taste already <sighs> that... That right, are, right, right. That can be adapted. Yes, and and there's a certain group of folks who go to the audience, who go into the audience with the purpose of offending people or a purpose of saying mm-hmm. the worst thing. It's no longer just about calling Brad and Janet asshole and slut. It's about making pop culture references about people who have died, um, right, or people that Whoa. are going through something. Well, I mean, there are opportunities. Um, there was there's. Uh, Hoppatootie, uh, there's a line about um, that rhymes with, I don't remember exactly what it is, but you can sing something over it, and invariably it was something, something, something dead in a hole, and you would say like a rock star, and this was something that was probably started in the 80s, and it was whatever famous person that you wanted to reference, and enough time had passed, but then it became a thing where you would replace that with whoever died recently and there and not enough time necessarily had dealt with grief for folks with with folks who do have connections with celebrities so yeah shit like that and learning about like interacting with people and again sort of treating it as my replacement for pop culture may not have been the healthiest way um (laughs) because that 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 is sort of a um that removes a a little bit of responsibility and removes a b just a little bit of authenticity, um, and it would get in the way. So like so yeah, there were some there were some times where there would be arguments or cast uh, issues, and I would inadvertently either get myself into it in some way, and especially when I started getting more assertive, there was a time when I did the cast. Um, I had to, I not, we rotated. So I was a Brad, Frank, Riff Raff, occasional Rocky. And whoever was available that week, because I didn't miss shows. I think in my seven years, I missed maybe three or four. Um, and I hated every second of missing them. Mm. And because it was part of my life. It was part of my week. Yeah. It was the, yeah. the end and beginning of. And It becomes your it, life it, when it, you do. I mean, it was the only thing I did for a while. Uh, that was yeah. that was my thing, and that was, and that alienated some of my high school friends because they weren't in it, and they were like, "Well, all you care about and talk about is this," and I'm like, "Yeah, Aww. you're right. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. Mm. Oh well. Like I don't know how to I don't know how to solve that for you. Right. I don't care about your gymnastics. I don't care about your this. <laughs> I, I don't get mad at you about that. No, but you, you talk ha- about flag core all the time. <laughs> and the thing is, though, <laughs> but to that end. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't have to also be mad about it. I mean, I like I knew what the hell oh, I was talking. Oh sure. Like I knew how to no, compartmentalize. We've all that. been in that sort of situation for sure, where the friendship is changing and like mm-hmm. it's nobody's fault, but it's everybody's we talk about that fault, a lot. and like there's resentment on both sides. But at the same time, you're like, I love this new thing, 
and I love it with all my heart. And I found all these people who I feel so close to when and I started it's, working it's a, at Bush Gardens. It changes every friends. day. Yeah, <laughs> of course, of course. And there's always something new just, to then talk about. <laughs> right, but when and I just was, to confirm. Uh, the, the Rocky that you were doing was the live performances in front of the screen. Correct. Correct. Movie in yes. front of the movie. Yes. 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 Go right. Sorry, Lillian. Go ahead, Lillian. Oh, what did you no, say? No, just like when I, when I, it's, uh, it's, well, I, mm, you said, you said that your cast was kind of straight or your experience with the. There, I was in a cast where at one time I was the only gay man. Okay. Uh, most of the men, and it was a very heavily populated male cast, uh, were uh, some of them were sort of like aggressively, and I wouldn't necessarily know that till later, but like aggressively straight, like that was mm, like yeah. so straight for Rocky Horror, like that was the joke. Theater and, does crank out some toxic masculinity. Yeah, and there, I mean there was some overlap. There was. Uh, one there was Frank. I mean, there was a a, a pansexual uh, male cast member, but his sexuality was almost like Liberace quality, where it was sort of forgotten <laughs> that he was a a sexual being, and uh, mm, where it right. was just sort of like a an affectation almost. It was like a personality, right? And then when it became <laughs> a reality, it became a reality in very negative ways because he would then be. Uh. Uh, um, Gropey. We'll just say gropey. Um, and sort of use his pansexuality as an excuse to say, see, I can touch boys and I can touch girls. Isn't that, isn't that great? And we're like, well, yeah, but you still uh, need people's permission. Uh, and he was eventually thrown off cast. But, yeah. um, well, the reason why I asked that was because when I, when I started working at Bush Gardens, I was, um, it was part live entertainment, part games. Ooh. And uh, it was a Threadneedle Fair, just how I know Shauna. Um, and it, so it was a fake Renaissance fair and I was Pandora and we all had accents and little backstories and whatnots. And I was with these creative people who, um, I was going to say I found queerdos and I knew that that's where I belonged, but the, half of the, the people weren't out yet. Mm. So I hadn't even found mm. that, I, but I knew what I found before everybody was talking about it, I guess. Um, you knew you felt it deep inside. Right, right. It felt <laughs> right. right. And I didn't even necessarily know why. And it was like, these people, these people do have the same, like, Monty Python references that I have. These people get the weird jokes that I make. <laughs> and I like their jokes. And we all understand each other. And that pulled me away from, I'm, oh, God. I had so many friends in early high school. But it, it really did. It helped, it helped me realize that I had grown out of some people. Well, that's really hard. rough. That's really rough, especially because if you are a weirdo in high school and you create your social group, it's already a special social outcast group that you're then pulling from for a different one. And it sort of feels like, well, sorry, I'm abandoning you for the cool outcasts. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I hope I never made anybody feel like that. But at the time, we're all just scrabbling to figure out what's right for us. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's, For sure. Again, like you said, every single moment it could be something different. So, yeah, I miss those <sighs> stupid, gross, sweaty days. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so much. And then if you get into like legit uh, cringe, uh, I was Trixie, which is the lips at the beginning of it, and oh. I uh, 
was fabulous. I was gothed out. I did the trick where you take two fishnet tights and you make a bodysuit. Uh, you take one pair, you wear it like legs, and then you cut the other side, the feet out of the other one, and you yes. cut the crotch out, and you put it over. Big, uh-huh. big goth trick. And, oh! uh, and Look I at was, Jen, your mind is blown. Jen's and like, I was, what? Oh, yeah. So blown! And then I had on, like, I prob- Shit! probably, like, my uh, my Fredericks of Hollywood uh, dream corset from Floor Show, probably. Wonderful. And I was just doing my fabulous thing, and I, I was in some heels, not even, like, like a character shoe heel. I had no business. Um, <laughs> and I was dancing, and I decided to do a chair trick. And I totally slipped off and fell on my head because I was upside down. Oh, no, no. My oh, response God. to that was to laugh at it and do it again. <laughs> ah, yes. And sort of be and in on it. this is why you are who you are. I didn't hurt myself the first time I fell. I hurt myself the second time I fell. Oh. <laughs> um, I injured myself a couple. Oh, uh, I used to have a cartilage piercing uh, in my ear. Mm-hmm. And it was the, the, the double spike, like the, the devil horns that would go mm-hmm. through. And let's just say pool scene is a lot of fishnet legs. Oh, shit. Oh, no. Nothing happened. It didn't rip. There's okay. no, no body horror. In that regard. But <laughs> it happened where it got caught more than once. Oh, God. And we would be like, hold it. Because we were a cast mm. of some piercings. And we just learned. We just learned. I was like, mm. okay. Just got to be a little bit more careful about things like mm. that. Oh. And I did actually, like, I don't want to get too gross. But I did hurt my finger and my fingernail specifically um, during a show. Um, and I had to get through all of I'm Going Home bleeding frankly oh. but <laughs> and to be honest did i have to oh no no but i of had course to. not but you did of I course did. you did <laughs> for the same reason that when i fell off the stage at club coming i had to finish the night and then spent three weeks rolling around my house in a fucking office chair because i couldn't walk did you did you oh, what God. happened is it that you fucked it up more than you would have by yeah still performing? if i had yeah. if i had just taken a cab home it would have been fine, yeah. but I was having a great time, and I still had a song to sing, and I wanted to sing my damn song. Mm-hmm. And then I left at like three o'clock in the morning. Anyway, whatever. It's, we all make decisions. Yeah, I mean, and but it's but it's also it's it's a it's a twofold. It's both uh, filling out the contract, like fi- mm-hmm. finishing the job, and also our fulfillment. It's that yeah. I want, but I want to keep doing this. Right, exactly. And I was in enough of a shock where it didn't, I, oh God, I hurt like a bitch the next day. I'll tell you that oh. right now. But, um. We have adrenaline in the moment and it's. I would, I, I just like, my case, I gotta keep gin. going. Yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. I don't, I can't think of any particular instance, but I was, I was rough and tumble, uh, early Victor, <laughs> uh, early burlesque. I would just, I was throwing myself around. On shoes that I shouldn't have walked on. Uh, the the joke was uh, our our friend Kurgan, who uh, most burlesque people would call a stage kitten, but we referred to as a stagehand because we didn't know that term yet. Um, he uh, he would we would say, okay, Kurgan, who was who were you afraid of tonight? Who were you afraid would hurt themselves tonight? And it was almost always me, Regina Stargazer, <laughs> uh, or. Um, or Anya, who was our uh, classically trained jazz and ballet dancer, who could do amazing things. 
but frankly, probably shouldn't have on some of the stages that we were on. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, there's we were working at a lot of conventions, and conventions love a sectional stage. No. Yeah, yeah I've put my heel through a bunch of those before. They're so shoddy. And then you've got crap risers uh-huh. my god well and they were always they were always set up for bands because we were the mm-hmm. only real uh entertainment that wasn't music usually mm-hmm. i mean sometimes they would have belly dancers or they would have some sort of um some sort of skill dancers but usually it was associated with rock bands Mm-hmm. And so they would have the drums kits and they would have the amps and we would have to make sure that we maneuvered ourselves to where we could still be seen. And invariably people would use the floor and the lighting people would be like, we can't see you. And we're like, well, we can't perform on the stage. I don't know what to tell you. The audience is too far away. So yeah, dealing with that. And then we, we would perform in conference rooms and hotels. Yes. And in front of whiteboards oh. with dry erase. And <laughs> my favorite part of that is one of the rooms, well, not my favorite part, but a notable part, is that uh, whoever ran that room would draw lighting equipment in dry <gasps> erase. Ah, so good! Pointing at what was our stage area. Yeah. So that everyone, the audience were sitting in rolling office chairs <laughs> that were those were the seats so you'd hear squeak squeak every <laughs> once in a while uh, you know i don't know if that's called paying your dues but it was certainly what we did certainly uh. what we did and there are some <laughs> relatively successful uh burlesque performers who have gone on to great things where i'm like never forget where you came from <laughs> Uh. <laughs> including myself, including myself. I have a crown and so sash, good. but I remember when I skinned my knees on hot, on hotel carpet while dancing to pass that Dutch. I remember that. Do you remember that? Because I did. Because carpet it never and fishnet, goes away. not a great idea. Nope. Not a great God. idea. Um, Victor, I would love to know, I would love to know a story... From really any time, but I'm thinking like definitely like adolescence, childhood twenties, where you shot your shot, or you don't, or you regret not shooting your shot. But like something uh, tender, like to a your missed heart. opportunity situation. Yeah, uh, preferably like interpersonal, but it could definitely also be like experiential, yeah, going out on a limb. Yeah. Mm. Um, a grand well. gesture of some sort. Oh, we love grand gestures. <laughs> uh. Grand gestures. Mm. Um, for some reason, the only thing that is immediately coming to mind, so if it's not what you're thinking of, let me know. Um, when I was in Rocky Horror, uh, as I said, I was uh, the only gay guy. Eventually I realized that I was not the only gay guy. Just one person was more or less closeted. And uh, that person and I started, I guess, flirting, I guess. I mean, I don't know if I really intend. We started, like, making references that only the other person would know, you know. And then, you know. That's the best. It's fun. Tease, like, like, I got, yeah, it's flirting. 
And it keeps, as Blanche says, it keeps your buttocks tight. And <laughs> we're going back and forth. And around the same time, there was a, a guy in the audience who was very charismatic and was also sort of like that fishnet shirt goth, uh, stringy, like Tommy Gnosis. Tommy Gnosis. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Stringy black hair, uh, a little, little long, a little long. Um, and he's and I, he and I started talking. And so I was like, look at me, suddenly the bell of the ball. I have my choice mm-hmm. of any. Uh, and they were two very different types of guys. They were two very different types of guys. Uh, one was a little bit more uh, toned and like fit, old, older, older. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other one was perhaps more age appropriate, I guess you could say. And <laughs> although I was legal, I was of a legal age and and had already had relationships. So I started talking to both of them, and then I had, I guess, in my mind, I had to make the decision about who I would be more seriously flirting with. And this, remember, this this had to include Instant Messenger. Aim it did because it did because it did. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yep. yes. And uh, so it certainly did. And like we would like away messages that were very meaningful and sort of like only that person would know. Oh, and, yeah. favorite. <laughs> It, yeah, it was really. Oh God! It was a really, ah. really intense like month. <laughs> yeah, and, right. Of course. Uh, and also keeping in mind that I had been in a relationship before that really failed, really sucked, um, and sort of fizzled. And I was nineteen or so. Yeah, nineteen. And suddenly there was a boy that liked me, a different boy. Look at me, balancing. And Hot dog! I know, right? And he was very theatrical. <laughs> uh, he was a classically trained ballroom dancer and uh, met through Rocky Horror. All of these people I knew through a form of Rocky Horror because that's all I did. And he asked me uh, if I would be interested in dating him. And I said, I don't know. I kind of have this. I was too honest. I have kind of this thing for this other guy and I don't want to be, you know, a dick about it. And so... I didn't. I didn't date him. And then I was going to make my move. And then guy number one and guy number two started dating. So I lost access to both of them. No! And I said, oh, okay. Great. And that hurt a lot. That for some reason hurt a lot. That sucked. No, no. Well, because the week week before, not even like a month or, or several, a week before guy number two had invited me after the show to come back to his place and sleep over and it was literally as vague as that there was no predetermined of what that would end up meaning there was no Mm. promise there was no even i guess there was implication but there wasn't necessarily like you have to or else um and i was like okay and keeping in mind I never had like a bad boys phase where like guys who were mean to me and that was a turn on never happened. Uh, I don't like mean people. Uh, Good for but, you. Well, but this guy <laughs> kind of did that like a little, mm. like a little. Uh, he seemed to be very, very insistent on letting me know that his priorities were a little bit more important than mine. So, mm. um, and also he didn't like it's Madonna. Like- Big fucking red flag. <gasps> Big mistake. Huge. And not even did he not like Madonna. He did not like Madonna. He did not. Ugh. And I was like, 
all right, but you like me, and therefore I have a lot of self-esteem issues. And I must, property. Yeah, I have to. <laughs> anyway, so uh, he invited me back, and it was a big deal. It was because like, it was like a full week. We knew it was happening. My best friend knew it was happening. Gretchen knew it was happening because we did Rocky Horror together. Uh, we all, like, it was a big plan. I was vague booking about it on LiveJournal. Like, it was all, <laughs> yes. all ready. And I did the show. I think as Frank and we went to the diner after as we were prone to do and so at this point it was maybe 2 a.m. almost almost 2 a.m. and well no if we started at midnight it would have to be almost 3 a.m. shit mm-hmm. almost 3 3 or 4 a.m. and the idea was that I was going to get into his car and drive to his place and then spend the night and eventually find my way home I didn't drive at the time and I was ready and I was ready and we were like footsieing under the table and I started to get like, mm-hmm. I don't really want to do this. So I said to him, I actually, I'm going to go home. Is that, are you right? Is that if I go home? And he was like, uh, okay, sure. And he sort of like, like, I guess if that's what you want to do, clearly that was the shot. That was mm-hmm. me shooting my That was me saying, okay, so we're never going to talk again in a, romantic sense again just so you know and <laughs> so i went home gretchen's father drove us home drove me home and because he drove us uh to her place a lot or to me first or whatever there was a lot of combinations of getting home and uh went home and i cried and <laughs> and listened to nora yes. jones don't know why yeah. On repeat. Oh, concur. Over and over and over again. And thinking like, right, because the house, I left you by the house of fun. That's like me leaving you by the theater. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, Yeah. I love, you know, I love an analogy. And then the next week, the next week they were dating. Fuck that. And the thing is, I had said no to him because I thought I was finally going to go. For the other guy. For the other guy. And it didn't happen. And I was like, okay, fuck. And then so I ended up uh, dating. So I would like to point out that story about leaving him by the car. That was my emotional recall story for ATC when I was learning how to do a monologue. Um, Oh. Tying it right back. Tying it right back. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometime after, their relationship folded. I had gotten myself involved with guy number three and all along he was like, I don't know if we should, because you're still interested in guy number one. And I, I, that's, I, I just, I don't know. And he also did that kind of thing where he sort of made me feel not stupid, but he made me feel that, um, I don't know. Like, everything was like, a, uh, every, we were always running out of time. Like there was always like, I, I'm a little behind on everything. And I'm like, I know I'm a little behind on everything. I don't drive. I'm 19 years old. I've never had this. I don't do this. And I'm, listen, I know I've, I've been about eight years behind all of my life. Um, <laughs> Same. <laughs> I mean, and, and then it became, and it wasn't, an, and of course it wasn't an issue at first. He was very reassuring at first. And then mm-hmm. it became an issue. Um, so eventually, uh, he dumped me, and I started dating guy number one. <laughs> ah! <laughs> because invariably, well coming back, invariably, all coming back to me now. Yeah, and while that relationship certainly had its ups and downs, uh, it is a formative one that would 
uh, lead me to uh, meeting Lillian's husband. And <laughs> yes! And, and also therefore Burlesque and his eventual breaking my heart uh, led me to putting out some really good work, really good show stuff, really formulating what I needed to do and learning what not to do in my eventual marriage. So yeah, a lot of a lot of shit and a lot of weird Thank back you, next. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's <laughs> a, there's a, there's a slightly more X-rated addition to that. If you wanted to know it, we do. Okay, <laughs> so there was an activity between guy number one and guy number two that eventually happened where I was present because our relationship had gotten to a point where like he seems interested. Maybe we should try it. He smelled like cigarettes the entire time. Hmm. No. And it it just wasn't working for him that oh, night. No. And I made yeah. the right choice. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. There you go. Well played. Yeah. Uh, I just have a quickie, quick interjection here. Um, two days ago, someone liked one of my live journal posts from 2012. Is it like a Russian bot or is it somebody you know? Uh, no, it's not anybody I know. Uh, I, I don't I don't know that there's like sending bots out there to like try to get people back on live journal, but uh, it was it was <laughs> chilling to because I forget that some of my content from so many years ago is just out there. Oh yeah. I wonder if it's I It's fine. I stand mine. I stand by my I stand by everything I wrote on live journal. I'm just I, saying. I wonder if I mine's locked. I guess it would still be up, right? If you did not take it down, it's still up. There was at one point where I I uh, printed every single page at one point. Oh god. I know. I was that Yeah, person. you could you could order a book of it. Oh god, I you, can't there imagine. Were, they were what? there were services that would like bind your, a, they would print out your live journal entries and bind them as a book. My friend Chandra got one. I'm here. Holy. Yeah, I'm here. Still here. Uh oh, it's I'm blank though. It's blank, which means I must have friend friend owned friendly owned friends you friend owned it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, our friend-owned business. But my, my profile is still here. Oh God, do you wow, want to hear wow. my quotes? Yes. Oh God. Yes. Uh, it's too late to correct it," said the Red Queen. "Once you've wa- once you've once said a thing, that fixes it, and you must take the consequences." From through the looking glass, uh, I actually I'm pretty sure that's on my Facebook quotes page. Um, Ani DeFranco, I could wake up yep. screaming sometimes, but I don't. I could step off the end of this pier, but I got shit to do, and I have an appointment on Tuesday. That's actually very profound, but it's a song about abortion, which is not a thing that I will ever experience. So it's a little presumptuous that I identify with that. <laughs> that you used it. I did. I did. It's uh, a theme. We like it. Well, theme. but the thing is, though, I there was a time where I thought I was stepping off the end of a pier, but I do have shit to mm. do. Uh, and t- <laughs> Tim Rice from the musical Evita, the choice was yours and no one else's. You can cry for a body in despair. Hang your head because she is no longer there to shine, to dazzle, or betray. But how she lived, how she shone, and how soon the lights were gone. Ooh. That is a beautiful phrase. Uh, that is very beautiful. But I was, um, <laughs> like, 20. <so. laughs> right, right, right. 
And then, and then a very, and then a very long monologue from Kissing Jessica Stein, actually. <laughs> nice. Well, that's probably nice. like from a deleted the scene. Of Kissing Jessica Stein. <laughs> oh, from a deleted. <laughs> she does this great monologue. If you ever, if you ever have the DVD of Kissing Jessica Stein, it may be on YouTube as well. She does this great monologue that was cut, where it takes place on a boat, and it's very indulgent, and it's very like this is a monologue, but it's so good. Thoroughly yes. recommend it. Mm. Thoroughly recommend it. And that's it. Well, I yeah. feel like those quotes were definitely a good button. <laughs> a good... So we... <laughs> like, like a naturally formed outcropping yes. of, a, of a stock big stopping point. Speaking of a stocking of point? Probably a stocking point also. Also that. A fishnet stocking point. Um, we usually finish up with recommendations, and I feel like you're going to have some pretty juicy ones. Oh. So whatever you want... To recommend whether it's um, an old favorite or something new that you found or a brand of something interesting or even like a tweet. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm in the middle of a series I'm watching on, on Netflix. Uh, it's a show that's on, I want to say ABC. It's called Bra- um, Good Girls. And mm. it has... Uh, Was that the one with Christina? Christina uh, Hendricks. Hendrix and Retta and Mae Whitman. Yes. Um, we're in the middle of season three. I'm still interested. I think Rob is phasing out. Uh, my husband. <laughs> uh, only because it's getting to the point where it's like, how are, A, how are you not in jail? Uh, and B, what else is going to happen? Jesus, you're just adding to it. It's very weeds in that way, where it's oh, just, it's, it's uh, you know, uh, Suburban white women in peril. I mean, not Retta. Retta is the, apparently, um, she's the most down to earth. Uh, but not in a weird racist kind of way. Not like in a Stephen King, I'm going to show the white people what to think. Um, yes, yes. Which, uh, you know, like Bagger Vance. So I think, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And she has her own shit. Like she's dealing with her own issues with her husband. Like very well, I think it's very well constructed. And even though the situation is ludicrous, um, the decisions and choices that are being made within the ludicrous situation, very, I think, are very well acted. And I think it's it's a, a, a masterclass in one of my favorite types of, of actresses, which is sort of that broad character actress that is witty and has excellent style, even if they're drab. Like, just, like, a way of carrying mm-hmm. themselves. And I love it. So I've been enjoying that. And I will always recommend uh, my favorite song ever is by Ella Fitzgerald. It's called Reaching for the Moon. Uh, it is on my list of to be played at my funeral, even though I assume I won't be there. Uh, although maybe in the, maybe I'll hang out in the back just for that. I love that you have a funerary playlist. A couple. That a is couple. the most Virgo thing I've ever heard, by the way. Yeah. So if it... Gonna go ahead and just throw that out there. Whenever anybody asks what my favorite song is, that is what I, what I tell them. It used to be harder. It used to be harder than that. But that I've decided it is one of the most... It also... Is what's interesting is that at first it was just what I refer to as Victor's theme song because there is a Victor and then there who is when I play him. Um, but I am him pretty much all the time nowadays. But uh, that's when I realized really that the the veil was that thin <laughs> when we both have the same theme song. <laughs> so yeah, definitely check that out. It's on uh, Gershwin, I want to say. Hey. 
So there, I gave you a new one, a new that one, and old. Lovely. I don't have something I blue for it. you though, but. <laughs> uh, gosh, I don't really have so anything good. right now. Oh wait, um, that's not true. Didn't there you say you is... saw that great movie, Saint Elmo's Fire? Yes. <laughs> Run out and see that. Ah, okay, it's called Your Pretty Face Is Going to Hell. And it, there's so many seasons of it, and it's super bite-sized. It was, oh, it was on Adult Swim, apparently. And it's all about, mm-hmm. it's about demons in hell. Um, but it's set up like an office. That's the whole conceit, is that they're all, like, working in this office mm-hmm. together trying to make hell things happen. Uh, it's it's on YouTube. I think we're watching it on Hulu. Um, or it might be Amazon Prime. But either way. We'd love the, to do that Very culturally. satisfying. We love, love to, like, put, like... Uh, what if this uh, mythical fantasy or supernatural element had bureaucracy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there was that um, uh, that superheroes mm-hmm. pa- were like superpowers or something like that. Oh, do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm, Where they were they were manufacturing like um, capes and stuff mm-hmm. for superheroes. Oh, even the even like Beetlejuice. Yes. Like it, we've always done Beetlejuice. Yeah, that was oh, my first thought too. So yes, that's a series um, that needs to happen. I would love a Beetlejuice, like the Office of the Dead uh, series. Oh, oh my god, it's so good! That is so it's amazing good. that that hasn't happened mm-hmm. yet. Just putting that mm-hmm. one out there. Um, in the same line, just because you made me think of it, and it's so good, and it's so funny, and it is old at this point, but there's a show, there's an animated show called Ugly Americans, Mm -hmm. which used to be on Comedy Central, I think, so it's not Adult Swim, but very much that, that approach, and it is about, um, integrating, like, demons and the paranormal in with civilians, and so having, like, special social work divisions and like state divisions that work on that integration um and it's it's a lot of fun and there's basically like one well-meaning nice normal white human who has to deal with uh demon bosses and zombie roommates (laughs) and like wizard uh wizard higher-ups it's uh, fun and ridiculous and also pretty gross. Um, Yay. I like it a lot. Ugly Americans. Cool. It's on Amazon. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Victor, tell the people where they can find all your biz. Oh, gosh. And you, uh, have a, you have an online show coming up. Don't you? I do, yes. When will this be released? Probably Thursday. Thursday. Uh, well, uh, mm-hmm. every month uh, until I decide not to anymore, on the fourth Wednesday and fourth Saturday, I will be doing... Uh, Weberlesque, the home theater edition, which is a broadcast of videos that were sent to me uh, from the cast of the month. And uh, sometimes they're straight up performances filmed in front of a, a camera. Sometimes they're more music video style or more short film style and a lot of fun. And one of the really great ways of seeing burlesque not only recontextualized for a digital realm, but performers from all over the country and which you don't get to do. Like if you're, there's a lot of really great burlesque in California, a lot of really great burlesque in New York. I'm able to have both right now, uh, and everywhere, everywhere in the middle as well. And so that will be for May. That'll be on May 26th and the 29th, and it will also be on the fourth Wednesday of June and the fourth Saturday of June. And you can always find me at weburlesque.com. That really does link to almost everything, so you can start there. 
And if you want me personally, I'm V-I-K-T-O-R-D-E-V-O-N-N-E on pretty much everything as well. Uh, I, I like to tweet as well. I like to Instagram. And yeah, oh, and uh, We Were Less the Podcast is now a podcast network, which... Uh, yes. Yeah. And Ooh. I've been uh, putting in other content. I have my first my first uh, non-me show has been Egypt Black Nile, who is a, a very renowned uh, burlesker in California. And so she she puts out content on Instagram reels and I've been mirroring them on the I've been basically preser- archiving them uh, on my own podcast network. And then my own series, We Burlesque the Podcast itself, is in season five. And I want to say Lillian has been on it the most, <laughs> I think. She Metrics. was also the very first guest. So, Yay! Yeah. Fabulous! We'll make sure that we have Victor's contact info in the show notes for you fuck buddies. And um, thank you so much for joining us today, Victor. My absolute pleasure. Ah, you are a joy. And true earth sign king. We love you, fuck buddies. Be well, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks, fuck buddies. (laughs) Thanks, fuck buddies. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.